Thanks for checking out the Lakeshore Podcast. If this is your first time listening with us, we want you to know God loves you. We want for your hope in Jesus to be renewed and for your faith to come to life. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope this message encourages you. of faith like we do every Sunday. Ready? Read. This is my Bible. It is God's word written to me. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can have what it says I can have. So I receive it as truth for my life today and open my heart to hear God speak a word and fill me with the Holy Spirit so that my life will be changed forever. In Jesus' name, amen. When God makes a promise, he wants you to believe him. Amen? The Bible says in Numbers twenty three nineteen that God is not a man that he should lie, nor is he like any other human being that he should say something and then just for no reason change his mind. And then it goes on and it says, has not God said and will not God do? In other words, when God speaks a promise to you, when you hear that with your spirit, Maybe you're reading your Bible or you're listening to a message or you're listening to a sermon on TV or a podcast. When something hits you and you say, hey, I think God's speaking to me. That might be for me. God expects you and he wants you and I to become confident in his promises. And that's why last week we started a series across all three of our campuses and we're calling it Under Contract. And the subtitle is important understanding our covenant with God through Christ. Now, a lot of Christians might not understand covenant, and that's why we're going through this. And I think a lot of Christians may not even have thought about the fact that when they stepped into a relationship with Jesus, they went under contract. There's something significant that took place, and that is taking place for all of eternity between us and God. And part of the reason why we feel like it's necessary to roll this series out is because we want to challenge our insecurity and our unbelief that sometimes challenges us to consider that God is faithful, that God keeps his promises, that God has integrity to his word. How many of you know what integrity is? Integrity means, listen, when I say something, I'm going to do it. I'm not one person in front of you and another person when I'm not in front of you. We can count on God to be integrous and to have integrity in his word. Now, if you're taking notes or if you're looking at your study guide, the title of today's message is the anatomy of a blood covenant. The anatomy or the parts or the structures of a blood covenant. And it's going to be two parts. Today's part one. A lot of information but I believe that it's valuable information and it will help to uh, take the plastic off of our relationship with God and help us to understand blood covenant a little bit more. Hebrews chapter 6, verses 16 through 19, just to get us started, I'm reading out of the New Living Translation and this is what the Bible says. Now, when people take an oath, they call on someone greater than themselves to hold them to it. And without any question, that oath is binding. God also bound himself with an oath. 
so that those who received the promise could be perfectly sure that he would never change his mind. So let me just pause. So God knows that sometimes in our humanity, even when he makes a promise to us, we need to be doubly sure. So God's willing to promise, to promise, to promise, if I could say it that way. So he makes an oath and he holds himself because he can't call on anybody greater than himself. So he calls himself to be a witness over the promise to keep his promise. Verse 18. So God has given both his promise, notice, and his oath. These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. Somebody say that. It is impossible for God to lie. Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge. Think about that word refuge. It's a picture of protection. It's a picture of redemption from our sinful state. It's a picture of being in the family of God. Remember last week we discovered that before we were in Christ, we were without hope in the world and without God. But we've been brought near by the blood of Jesus, right? So now we're in the family of God. He's our refuge. Because of that, it says we can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. And this hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. Now, contextually, how many of you know when you're reading the Bible, context is very important, right? Otherwise, we just pull things out of context and we could kind of make it say whatever we want it to. So when you're reading this, Hebrews 6, 16 through 19, it talks about these promises and these oaths that God made. And if you go up and you start a little higher, it brings a man into the picture by the name of Abraham. And it's talking about the promises and the oath that he made with Abraham. And if you study this context out, you go all the way back to Genesis chapter 12, and God made a promise to Abraham. He promised to take him out of his land, take him to a new land. He promised to bless him. He promised to make his name great. He promised to, to bless those who bless him and to curse those who curse him. And he promised to multiply his descendants. That's in Genesis chapter 12. And then it's in Genesis chapter 15. Abraham's like, how do I know you're going to take me to this land? How do I know you're going to come through your promise? And then we're going to look at it a little bit later. God actually cuts a covenant with Abraham in blood. We're going to look at that. We're going to look at that. It's important. And then when we go over to Genesis, I think chapter 22 or somewhere like that, uh, God, God has a test for Abraham. Abraham's got a son named Isaac. How I many remember the story? God asked Isaac to sacrifice his son. Do you remember that story? And the Bible says God takes the, the, the wood for the offering, and he's going to go sacrifice his son. And his son says, Dad, we got the wood for the burnt offering, but where's the sacrifice? How I many you know that was a bad day for Dad? <laughs> Dad's going, son, if you only knew, Isaac was supposed to be the sacrifice. And God, God, God stays Abraham's hand just before he kills his own son. And an angel says, and it's the Lord speaking to Abraham. He says, don't harm your son, Abraham, because now I know that you're loyal to the covenant exchange that we made. And it says that God provided a ram in the thicket. And the ram, by the way, was symbolic of the ultimate sacrifice, blood sacrifice, that we would have in the person of Jesus Christ. Why do I say all that? I say all of that because context is important. And that's what this is talking about. God makes promises. And he seals them with an oath. And our ultimate promise is in the person of Jesus. And we're going to see throughout this whole series that he sealed it in blood. 
a blood covenant through Jesus Christ. This message, this series, it's going to change our lives. Especially if you lean in. I want to remind you, Pastor Gill, our senior, our senior leader, he went through a lot of work to make this little study book. This has a lot of cross-reference scriptures in there, questions and answers, a place for you to go deeper, a place for you to really study and grow in your understanding of this particular subject. And we're also letting you know this is just a supplementary reading. If you want, we've got this book called God Swears to Keep His Promises. It's written by his brother. He's a pastor, Jerry Dearman. He was our former pastor in Anaheim, California. I'm on chapter five. This is a good book. I mean, uh, I had some tears coming down my cheeks the other day because he was talking about God's covenant love that he has for us. I mean, it's just so powerful. Come on, get these two and lean in with us. I promise it will be worth the stretch. It's important for us to realize that when it comes to God's faithfulness, God is not the problem. How many of you would say amen to that? A lot of times it's me. Let me just remind you in Hebrews 6, 11, and 12, just listen. It says, and we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness to have the full assurance of hope until the end. Listen, so that you may not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. We're supposed to be learning to be imitators of those people that we have examples of in the Bible who through faith and patience, that word patience means endurance, sticking it out when it gets tough, and they inherited the promises. That's what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be growing in our faith and trusting God. That's really what this series is all about. So if you missed last Sunday, grab the podcast. We have it on our website, or you can go to my Facebook page, and we have it there as well. And we want for you to get the book if you can. Did you know that understanding blood covenant will increase your faith? It will increase your confidence in God. God is a God of covenant. Let me just give you an example from Jeremiah 33, 17 through 22. Did you know that God made a covenant with the day and with the night? And that impacts us. Let me show it to you. Genesis 33, 17 through 22. It says, For thus says the Lord David, talking of King David, shall never lack a man to sit on the throne of the house of Israel. And the Levitical priest shall never lack a man in my presence to offer burnt offerings, to burn grain offerings, and to make sacrifices forever. Forever. By the way, in Luke 1, 32 and 33, and in Hebrews 8 and 1, both promise Jesus as the same man. He's our forever high priest. And he's made the one and ultimate sacrifice. Verse 19 in Jeremiah 33, it says, The word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. Thus says the Lord, If you can break my covenant with the day and my covenant with the night, so that day and night will not come at their appointed time, then also my covenant with David, my servant, may be broken. How many of you can break the covenant God made with day and night? Anybody can do that? I don't think I've met anyone who can, right? So then he's never going to break his covenant that he made with his servant David. So that he shall not have a son to reign on his throne. And my covenant with the Levitical priests, my ministers. So we got to understand that verses 20 and 21, God confirms in covenant regarding Jesus. Jesus is the ultimate answer and fulfillment of that reigning forever. He's part of the lineage 
of King David. Verse 22, as the host of heaven cannot be numbered and the sands of the sea cannot be measured, listen, so I will multiply the offspring of David, my servant, and the Levitical priests who minister to me. Now, I want you to think about this. In 1 Corinthians 5.20, it says that you and I are ambassadors for Christ. So we minister on behalf of Christ. And in Revelation chapter 1, the Bible says that you and I are kings and priests unto God. Why? Because God covenanted that we would be. All through the lineage of David, all through Jesus, and now you and I as ministers on his behalf, as kings and priests in the earth, according to Revelation chapter 1. What's the point? The point is, makes a promise, he makes a covenant, and he doesn't break it. Can somebody say amen? God intends to fulfill what he said he would do. Now, for the rest of our time today, I want to begin to broadly outline the fundamental aspects of a blood covenant. I want to basically understand, underline this so that we can understand the significance. And then when we're reading through scripture, things start clicking and we start noticing, wow, this is connected to covenant. This is God. There's covenant all throughout the Bible. We're going to do this over the next few weeks. And this is what we're going to do. We're going to understand three basic things. One, what is blood covenant? Two, what does it involve? And three, how the covenant agreement is made. Okay, and all of these notes and extensive notes are in your study guide. Okay, so number one, Roman numeral number one. What is blood covenant? I just want to remind you the word covenant is about 300 times in the Bible, 250 times in the Old Testament, and it's an agreement. It's a contract. It's a pact. It's a binding agreement between two parties. And primarily, blood covenant is initiated because of love, especially between God and people. Another reason why blood covenant is initiated, to exchange strengths and weaknesses. In the book, God Swears, Pastor Jerry talks about how tribes would exchange uh, military might for great farming. These military mighty men would be terrible at farming. These great farmers couldn't shoot a bow and arrow. So they would covenant with one another. And now both of them had everything that they needed. So they would come into covenant because of strikes and weaknesses. So covenant is a binding agreement between two people. Okay. By the way, I think most of us understand this. When companies merge, a lot of times they merge for, for production and for financial increase. So they come together and they're stronger together. They're, they're increasing in every way. That's kind of a covenant. There's no blood involved, I hope. But there are contracts that are signed and people come into agreement. I want you to think about strengths and weaknesses. In 2 Corinthians 5.21, it says that Jesus, who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He traded his strength for our weaknesses. He took our weakness and he gave us his strength, his right standing before God. It's all about covenant. Pastor Robert, I don't know. It's still kind of hard for me to grasp. It's not that hard, especially if you have kids. Those of you that are parents, you understand exchanging strengths for weaknesses. You do it all the time. And you'll be glad to do it all over again if anybody asks you why. Because you love, you love, you so love your kids that you're willing to exchange your strengths for their weaknesses. Think about God. Think about how he feels about you as his kid. Roman, number, uh, Roman numeral number two. 
What does blood covenant involve? This is, this is really good, okay? There's four parts of a blood covenant. The covenant terms, the covenant length, the covenant site, and the covenant representatives. Number one, the terms of the covenant. Think about a contract. These are where the parameters and the outcomes are discussed and documented. Similar to today's paperwork. If you've bought a house, if you've bought a car, if you've financed anything, those of you who have bought houses, you know when you buy a house, there's a lot of paperwork. Sign, 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 sign. Multiple copies. Why? Because they don't trust you. And they want to make sure that if you renege, there's going to be negative ramifications. Isn't that true, right? And be honest, I don't necessarily trust the bank so much either. So I want to make sure that they're going to do what they said they were going to do. They're not going to mess with my interest rate or mess with my payment. So it's important. The terms of the covenant have to be uh, laid out. They have to be clear. They have to be legal. So that's part of a blood covenant. And we're going to see that as we study this out. Number two, the length of the covenant is important. It's important. Like today's uh, contracts, you might have a 15-year loan, you might have a 25-year loan, or you might have a 30-year loan. Uh, I'm in for the 15 and 20-year loans, by the way. Uh, Not 30, if I can help it. Just like that's important, a duration clause. A lot of times you'll notice in the Bible, a length of covenant went for an individual's whole life. And we're going to see a lot of times with God covenant with his people, it's for eternity. It's for eternity. He'll say things like for a thousand generations. I mean, it goes beyond the person's life. And there's a lot of other scriptures in your study guide that will prove that out. And I just want you to know that uh, the length of the covenant is very important. And a lot of times it's for the life of the person. You don't get out until you die. And even when you die, it goes beyond you and it impacts future generations. Just like we've been impacted by what Abraham did. And we'll look at that later. Number three, the site of the covenant agreement. In other words, the location. Uh, Those of you, especially ladies, when they want to get married, I mean, let's be honest, guys. Are you so, so concerned about where you get married as much as she is? Not really, right? Don't tell my wife that. She needs to know that I was, okay? So, when, when, when a wife, she, she's going to find, she wants to look for the spot. By the way, I went to Brittany, Brittany's wedding, and it was amazing. The view was amazing. It took a long time to get there. It was way out there. But it was so beautiful, and that's why she picked it. It was special. It was memorable. It will never be forgotten. It was so amazing. And so the covenant site, where it takes place, is really, really important. We want people to know where it took place because there's a bit of sacredness to it. uh, And and it's important that we remember where it was done. Um, So the covenant site is a big deal. And we want to make sure that it's an important place. By the way, I just want to say this. Most scholars and theologians believe that in Genesis chapter 22, the mountain where God spared Abraham from sacrificing his son Isaac is the same location as Jesus' crucifixion that was prophesied in Genesis 22, thousands of years before Jesus was even sacrificed. It's known as Golgotha, the high hill. Think about that. It allowed Jesus' death to be both a sacred place and an openly witnessed and historically verified and documented place. That place is both sacred and 
it is important. Amen. Historically. So and we're going to look at that a little bit later. So the side of the covenant agreement, uh, when, I, when I signed documents for a house, a lot of times they'd ask us to go to the attorney's office, right? We have to go there. All the legal ramifications were taking place. So the covenant site is important, and we're going to find significance is that as we keep going forward in this study. The fourth thing that I want you to know is the representative of the covenant. These, these are the people or the persons of authority that each side has come representing the whole clan or all the people, and they've got to sign the agreement for everybody. Uh, for example, in big companies, maybe a CEO or the board of directors have to sign. When you're getting married, who has to sign, right? The, the engaged couple have to sign. So there are representatives that go before everyone else, and they represent everybody else, right? So the signing... Uh, by the representative of the covenant is really, really important. Uh, some people might not even realize this, but think about Luke twenty-two twenty. Let me just read it. After supper, Jesus took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for many. I don't know about you, but for many, many years, uh, I read those things and we took communion and I never really made the connection that there was actually a blood covenant agreement that took place between me and God through the person of Jesus and his blood being spilt, right? Blood covenant is a big deal. It's all over the scriptures. This morning when I was reading some things and because I've been studying this a little and reading the book, God swears, I'm not even reading anything necessarily pertaining to this. And I'm reading in the scriptures and all of a sudden I'm seeing phraseology and I'm seeing words and I'm making connections and it's hitting me. God is a God of covenant. And we cut a covenant through the person of Jesus Christ. So I'm so excited for us to understand kind of the different parts of a blood covenant. Roman numeral number three. Nine ceremonial or nine ceremonial commitments of a blood covenant. Thank God we're only going to cover one today. Okay. There's nine, but we're only going to cover one and it's two parts. Number one, this is really good. Agreement in blood, or we would call it uh, a trail of blood. I don't know if you know this or not, but there are portions of scripture in the old Testament where God asks, and we're going to look at it, God asks somebody to bring some animals, some larger ones and some small ones, a combination of both, and the animal's throat would be slit, uh, blood would be spilled. Sorry, kids, it's a little, it's a little bloody, but, you know, I, I think you've seen blood before. And then they would, they would slice that animal in half, and they would lay it right, uh, kind of right, right out there in the open, and uh, it's really important you know that because the second thing that would happen with that blood that was being spilled is the covenant representatives would kind of meet in that center of the blood and they would make verbal commitments. And it, and it would go something like this. They would say, by standing in this blood sacrifice, I'm acknowledging that my independence dies today and I'm forever committing myself to you. And if I should break this commitment, let what has been done to this animal be done 
to me. Now, unless you've been in active combat or you've worked in a slaughterhouse or you feel dressed a, a deer or a moose or something, it might be impossible for us to kind of picture the sight and the sound and the smell of that, right? And needless to say, it was probably very gruesome, but it was intended to leave an indelible impression on the persons who were representatives in that blood covenant. They would never, ever forget it. As a matter of fact, I remember I had a childhood friend, still a good friend of mine today, even though we're separated by 2,400 miles. He lived literally next door to me, and we grew up together from like three years old all the way, you know, I still know him and, until we got married and moved out of the houses. We were, we were inseparable. His name is Domingo. I mean Sunday in Spanish. And um, we love fishing. You know I like fishing, uh, we, but we were little rascals, you know, so we, we fished where you weren't supposed to right? Those signs that said, no trespassing, and we saw water, uh, those were the places we wanted to go. Kids, don't break the law. Listen to your parents and listen to the police. So we were golfers, and one day we're golfing at this place that we golfed at the time. In those ponds, there were some big bass floating around in those ponds. And so we thought, we're going to come and fish here after dark. Everything's locked. It's about one o'clock in the morning, and we decide we're going to meet, and we're going to go fishing. So we, we, we didn't plan that great because we forgot to get worms. And so like at one in the morning, it's dark. He's got his flashlight and I got a shovel and we're digging for worms. And he's the picker and I'm the digger. Oh, it's dark. It's one in the morning. Not the safest thing to do. And just as he's putting his finger down there to pick up this big, fat, juicy night crawler, Guess what I did? I made a forever blood covenant with my neighbor. And I cut his finger off. Okay? I cut his finger off. Needless to say, uh, that ruined our fishing trip. And uh, he, he was able to pick it up and we put it in a bag and we went home and we cried. And his parents got him over to the hospital and they sewed his finger back. He still got a scar right? So I just want to share that with you because you know that when blood is shed, right, it's significant between friends. And we, uh, we, we, we kind of, we sealed that day forever as blood brothers. We'll never, ever forget that. If you ever want to hear about where we did pick up and we were prepared with night crawlers, we went back to that uh, golf course and we fished uh, at one or two in the morning, and uh, we didn't catch any fish. We left all our fishing poles and tackle at the side of the pond because he was wearing white and jumping around when he caught one. And all the neighbors turned their lights on along the golf course, and we got chased out by the police. And we ran home like scared little kids who were about to get caught. I will never forget that. So when you shed blood with your friend, man, it changes things, and it makes a significant difference in your life. Blood covenant all over the Bible is going to change us when we see just how serious God is about bringing his promises to pass. Before we leave today, I want us to look at Genesis chapter 15. Genesis chapter 15. And we're going to look at a time where God made a covenant with Abraham to assure him of the promise that he made and that he was willing to come through with it. He signed it in an oath of blood so that Abraham would be sure beyond shadow of a doubt, that God would be faithful to do what he said he would. Genesis chapter 15, verses 17, uh, 7 through 10, and then 17 and 18. I'm reading out of the ESV. Listen to what it says. And he, God, said to Abraham, 
I am the Lord who brought you out from Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. But he, Abe, said, Lord God, how am I to know that I shall possess it? Now think about that for a second. Isn't that like you and I? God makes a promise and we question, how am I going to know? How am I going to know that you're going to be faithful to do that? Verse 9, look what it says. He, speaking of God, God said to him, bring me a heifer, that's a small cow, three years old, a female goat, three years old, a ram, three years old, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. So God asks Abraham to bring all these animals. Kind of strange. Verse 10, but not to Abraham. And Abraham brought all these. Notice what Abraham does. He cut them in half and laid each half over against the other. But he did not cut the birds in half. We probably wouldn't have known what to do. But keep in mind, this is written in covenant language. It's written from uh, a Middle Eastern philosophy. This is two covenants. The old covenant, the new covenant. We call it testament, but that's another word for covenant. Abraham knew what God wanted. And Abraham brought those animals out. And it says that he cut them in half. He laid them out against each other, and there was blood everywhere. But he didn't cut the birds in half. Verse 17, when the sun had gone down and was dark, behold, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch passed between these two. And on that day, listen, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham. Now, if you study the context out, Abraham was sleeping, and he had this dream And he had this exchange with God, and God had him do all of these things. And then the Bible says that this this torch and this this oven passed through those animals. And most theologians would believe this was what we would call Christophany. It was God appearing in those symbols. And throughout the Bible, if you study it, God shows up as smoke, and God shows up as fire. Amen? Amen? So this is God who's walking through these cut, bloody pieces of animal, and he cuts a covenant. He seals his promise in blood to Abraham, changes Abraham. Abraham knows what God's doing. Abraham steps into this covenant with God that's irrevocable, and now Abraham's got this confidence beyond a shadow of a doubt. God is going to do what he promised he would do. Amen. Isn't that good news? Now, let me ask you a question. Is there an area in your life where you need God to come through? Is there an area in your life that seems unmanageable, that seems impossible? I want for you to increase your confidence in God because God is a God who keeps covenant. Amen. Would you stand to your feet as we close and we pray? Would you just agree with me as we pray and we close our service and we could pray for people that are struggling with sickness? We still have some of our family members, thank God, some of you are back and you're, you're bouncing back and you feel a lot better, but we still have some family members that are still struggling a little bit. And so we just want to believe God. Would you just bow your heads, agree with me in prayer. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. 
and we lift up our Lakeshore family members. We thank you that you're a God of covenant. We thank you that you are the great physician. We pray for healing. We pray for restoration. We pray for strength in every single one of our family members that are still struggling with sickness. Father, we take authority over sickness and disease, and we declare that you are their healer. We declare that by the stripes of Jesus, they are healed. Father, we speak life. We speak strength. We speak health. We speak restoration to them from the top of their head to the soles of their feet. And Father, anyone who's here today who's still not fully recovered, Lord, we thank you that you're a God of covenant. We declare healing. We declare restoration. We declare strength. Father, we thank you that the word says that Jesus was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. We declare that over everybody this morning. Father, we thank you that you're meeting people's needs. We thank you, Lord God, that you're making a way where it seems like it's impossible. We put all of our trust, we put all of our confidence and all of our hope in you. We thank you for what you did through covenant in Jesus Christ. And everybody said... again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for more messages. If you like what you're hearing, share it with your friends. For more content from Lakeshore and information on services, check us out at lakeshorecf.com.